What's up, beautiful people? Welcome back to the Made to Excel Fitness Podcast, a fitness podcast for you, by you. I'm your host, as always, Mark Torres. And in today's episode, episode 16, I had my first official Instagram hater. Ronnie Coleman is 0.33% body fat, and fit babes are the worst. Let's talk about it. <laughs> What is up, beautiful people? Welcome back to the show. It is Monday, June 22nd. Welcome back to the Made to Excel Fitness Podcast. Uh, the mystery has been revealed as to whether or not I went back to work last week. The answer is no. Gyms did not open as a part of phase three here in New York State, so I'm still up in the rafters. I'm on the sidelines. Put me in, coach. I'm ready to play today, but no gyms as of right now. Uh, and as I'm recording this, we're pretty late on in the week. Uh, so I haven't heard anything, so it's not really looking good for next week either, but the mystery does renew itself because this does seem to be a touch and go subject. Things can change minute to minute. So who knows what happens from here to then, but as you're listening to this, I may or may not be back to work. It's not looking good, but things could change from here to then. Like I said, uh, in today's episode, I started this page, the made to excel fitness page back in 2017. And in the last three years, everything has been peace, love, unity. Everything's been kosher. Uh, but as of this past weekend, I officially got my first hater, and I'll tell you guys about that later on in today's show. But the first thing I want to talk about was Ronnie Coleman was on the Joe Rogan podcast. Uh, and Joe Rogan, obviously from Fear Factor, UFC commentator, he's got the biggest podcast on the planet. Uh, so if you don't know who Joe Rogan is, you're living under a rock. But Ronnie Coleman, you might not know, you might not be as familiar with that name. Uh, Ronnie Coleman is one of, if not the greatest bodybuilders of all time. Obviously, you know who Arnold Schwarzenegger is. Uh, Arnold is really the one guy that transcended the sport of bodybuilding in terms of having a career outside of fitness. Um, obviously, you had Lou Ferrigno, who was the Hulk. Uh, if you're a Stranger Things fan, Mr. Sunshine from the last couple seasons is Kai Green, who is a modern-day bodybuilder, a uh, current bodybuilder. Uh, but unlike those guys, Arnold was a bona fide movie star. Uh, Arnold was the governor of California. Don't ask me how that happened, but it did. Um, so Arnold really was a guy, the most popular bodybuilder of all time and undoubtedly one of the goats and debatably the goat. Um, but Arnold won seven Mr. Olympia titles. Um, Mr. Olympia being the most prestigious bodybuilding competition in all the land, but there's two guys that won more titles than, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger himself. Arnold won seven. Two guys are tied for first with eight wins apiece. One of those guys is Lee Haney. The other guy is Ronnie Coleman. And Lee Haney is a legend and a stud in and of itself, but Ronnie Coleman really changed the sport of bodybuilding as we know it. Uh, he was an anomaly. He is almost this mythical-like figure in the world of bodybuilding because he was so different than everybody else. Um, so Ronnie Coleman is one of the greats, if not the greatest of all time. And he was on the Joe Rogan podcast, and he said a bunch of fun things. It was a fun interview. Even if you're not into the sport of bodybuilding, you might enjoy it, right? You watch a documentary that you're not necessarily interested in the subject, but it ends up being interesting, right? Icarus was great, but I didn't really care about cycling, but I thought it was a good documentary. Uh, same thing here, right? Great interview, even if you're not a bodybuilding fan. Uh, Ronnie Coleman's an interesting guy. He's got a couple documentaries, one older one, one newer one. I think one's on Netflix right now. Um, you know, Ronnie Coleman is a guy who was during his bodybuilding days was a cop. So imagine this big, gigantic, muscular guy, you know, stopping you, pulling you over. You see uh, the cop pull you over. You see this massive human being coming out of the car. You're bound to shit bricks. Um, just an interesting guy, right? So really interesting interview, but he does say some things here that I think uh, are worth addressing and worth kind of dissecting a little bit. Um, and even if you're not into the sport of bodybuilding, there are some things in this episode that I will talk about that Ronnie Coleman talks about that could pertain to you 
in your fitness journey. Uh, so let's kind of dive into a little bit. Uh, I did take notes while I was listening to this. I tried to do it in chronological order as they were speaking, but I did get lost at one point. I had to go back. So this might be a little bit out of order. I digress, whatever. So the first thing I wrote is Joe Rogan is a quack. And that's a little bit uh, harsh, a little bit exaggerated. Uh, but what I meant by that was Joe Rogan has his fingers in a lot of different pies, right? A really knowledgeable guy on a wide array of subjects, um, especially fitness, right? He's really into fitness, obviously being an MMA guy, UFC guy. Um, fitness does play a big role in his life. And he does talk about fitness a lot. And he comes off as a really knowledgeable guy. And I'm sure that he is. Um, he will pull out scientific studies and say different things about fitness. But that does not make Joe Rogan an expert in this field, right? Joe Rogan did not go to school. Joe Rogan did not... Um, do anything in this field. He's just a guy who's interested in fitness, right? Uh, so he has been called out in the past for saying things that are 100% truthful. Um, so bear that in mind because the first like three, four minutes of Joe Rogan's podcast is all advertisements. And some of those advertisements are things that pertain to the fitness world. Um, Joe Rogan, completely entertaining, obviously has a big influence because he's got the biggest podcast of all time. Um, so just because Joe Rogan says something does not mean it's gospel, right? Same thing in the last episode, just because The Rock says something does not mean it's gospel. Joe Rogan, same thing. So always bear that in mind when you're listening to this. Uh, Joe Rogan, really entertaining guy, but maybe not the premier source of information for fitness related things. But let's let's move on, right? Uh, so one of the first things that Ronnie starts talking about is his statistics in terms of his body when he was competing uh, in bodybuilding, right? Um, I think the, one of the first things he says was that the heaviest he ever was was 330 pounds, so he was massive, uh, and he was 3% body fat, which is an absolutely insane number, right? A lot of these bodybuilders do get into single digits, but I don't know how low a lot of them go, but 3% is very, very massively low, right? Uh, and Joe Rogan says it a couple times in the show, he's like, Ronnie Coleman looks like a guy that Marvel created to defeat the Hulk. And if you don't know what Ronnie Coleman looks like, now's a perfect opportunity to Google him. He really does look like that guy. He's a massive human being and he was extremely lean. Whether or not he was 3% lean, I don't know, but I'll give Ronnie Coleman the benefit of the doubt because he's massive and I value my life, right? Um, so just so you know, if you're listening to this and you're inspired by the things that Ronnie Coleman says, 3% is extreme, right? 3% is probably unattainable for you and I. Uh, Ronnie Coleman is a genetic anomaly. He's a freak of nature, right? He's the elite of the elite, the greatest bodybuilder of all time, possibly. So, um, you know, 3% is extreme, right? So always, you know, would take that with a grain of salt. And then he goes on to say that the lowest percentage of body fat he ever was, was 0.33%. So one third of 1% of body fat. That is absolutely insane and unbelievable, right? Unbelievable, not like my mind is blown, but unbelievable. Like I really, truly do not believe that that's uh, possible, right? I don't think you can get that low. 3% is already pushing it, right? 3%, he's the most elite person on the planet, the greatest bodybuilder of all time. I can see it, right? 0.33%, I cannot see, right? Um, and then he goes on to say that he got even some negative numbers in that test that he did, which once again, that's impossible, right? When your mom calls you, she's like, I'm at the grocery store. Can you tell me how many gallons of milk you have in the fridge? You don't say, hey, mom, we got negative one. You either have zero gallons of milk or you have positive gallons of milk. You don't have negative gallons of milk, right? You can't have negative amounts of body fat. So the fact that Ronnie Coleman said that, I don't know what he was getting at, but he said 0.33% body fat, which is an absolutely insane number. And he said he got that by being in a water tank, which I can presume that he's talking about hydrostatic weighing which I actually did as part of a lab in college, so I have some familiarity with it. And I got hydrostatic weighed, 
it kind of sucks. So uh, they weigh you before you go into the tank when you're dry. Uh, and then they pretty much weigh you in the tank, right? And they say tank, uh, but maybe there are some tanks, but for us in college, it's pretty much this glorified metal bathtub. Um, and you get you sit in a harness in the water and they weigh you in the water, right? And pretty much uh, the theory is that depending on how much water you displace when you're in there, uh, they can put that into an equation and it'll spit out how much uh, fat percentage is in your body, right? Um, but the one thing to think about when you are doing this test, it's super accurate, but the one thing that messes everybody up is the fact that you have to be completely submerged underwater. And before you get submerged underwater, you have to blow out all the air that you have, right? So you're blowing out all the air and then you're going underwater, right? So it's really hard to be there. It's like the last few seconds of being in uh, a pool, right? And you're holding your breath, right? It's that last few seconds, you're struggling for air. So you're blowing out all that air and then you're going underwater, right? So I remember correctly, uh, I had to do it a couple of times because I kept failing, right? I kept saying, oh, we got a faulty reading. Because if you have oxygen in your system, you start to float in the harness and you get a false reading, right? So uh, Ronnie Coleman saying he was 0.33% is almost unbelievable. And I almost have to, I'm not saying that Ronnie Coleman's a liar. Like I said, I value my life. He's a human, uh, a large human being. But I'm not even saying that Ronnie Coleman is recounting this incorrectly. But what I'm saying is there probably was some error along the way that made him get a 0.33% number, right? I don't know if there's an error that you can get by being so large of a human being, or I don't know if he just didn't expel all the oxygen from his system. But 0.33%, I don't know about that. That's a little iffy, right? Keep that in mind. Uh, the other interesting thing that he said is that he trains for the Olympia for 10 to 12 weeks. That does not mean he's not training for the other, you know, 40 weeks there are in the year, right? He's not just sitting on, uh, sitting around watching TV, not training, right? But he's training a very specific way for 10 to 12 weeks in preparation for the Olympia. So it's called periodization, right? There's a period of time where you're training very specifically. It's very prevalent in bodybuilding. It's very prevalent in powerlifting, right? Because you're getting specific, you're getting ready for a specific uh, event, right? You're trying to get the most out of your body in a specific time frame, right? Whatever your competition date is, that is when you want to be at your absolute peak. So you have to be prepared for that. So Ronnie Coleman's training year round, but he's training for 10 to 12 weeks for the Olympia specifically. Not something that the average gym goer would think about. You don't have periodized training. Uh, but if you are a person who likes to powerlift, uh, kind of, uh, you know, amateur powerlifting, um, and you're a person who likes to go heavy all the time, think about the fact that not even these guys, the most elite guys on the planet, go heavy every week, right? They have very periodized training, and they might go heavy sometimes. So if you're a person who gets stuck going heavy all the time, think about that, right? Don't need to do it all the time. Uh, and the other thing, so this is the thing that makes Ronnie Coleman so, such a mythical-like figure, right? When you think about bodybuilding and you're like a little kid, right? Uh, and you see these guys with big muscles, you probably just assume that they're the strongest guys on the planet. Uh, and a lot of them are really strong, but for the most part, they train all very similarly. They train with very light weights for very high reps because they're chasing this muscle pump. Uh, they're chasing this muscle burn. That is a conventional way to think about building muscle, right? And we don't necessarily think that anymore. Um, they still probably train very similarly, but uh, uh, the kind of thinking has changed, right? But a lot of them train very similarly, lightweights for lots of heavy reps or lots of uh, high reps. Um, so when you're looking at it as a kid, you're like, oh my God, that guy has so many muscles. He's probably super strong. Yeah, those bodybuilders are probably pretty strong, but they're really not the strongest guys on the planet, right? You look at the actual strongmen of the world. You've got Eddie Hall, you've got Brian Shaw, you've got Hafdor Bjornsson. Uh, I might've just butchered his name, but those guys are guys that look, they got beer bellies, right? They're the strongest people on the planet, but they got beer bellies, right? 
Eddie Hall uh, broke the record for the heaviest deadlift on the planet, right? I think it was 1,050 pounds. That could be completely wrong. I just made that number up. It's somewhere around there. He's a guy with his big belly, right? And he, he broke the record for the heaviest deadlift on the planet. And he's since retired. He's slimmed out a little bit. He doesn't look like that anymore. Uh, but he's a big belly guy, right? So you, you see that guy. He doesn't have muscular definition like somebody like Ronnie Coleman does. Um, but he's actually the strongest guy. Um, somebody like Hafthor, right? Hafthor is a little bit of an anomaly. Hafthor, if you don't know who that is, he plays the mountain on Game of Thrones. He just broke Eddie Hall's deadlift record, but not at an official meet. So it's not an official record, but he deadlifted 1,100 pounds. But he's a guy who actually looks a little bit more uh, uh, slim and a little bit more muscular than a typical strongman, right? So you look at a guy like a bodybuilder, he has so many muscles, you presume that he's the strongest guy when it's in reality, it's these guys with these beer bellies. Um, but Ronnie Coleman really broke that mold, right? Ronnie Coleman had the muscles and had the strength, right? Whereas all these bodybuilders were training with really light weights uh, for really high reps, Ronnie Coleman was powerlifting through and through throughout his entire career, right? He was powerlifting in high school and he carried his powerlifting throughout his entire career as a bodybuilder, right? He was deadlifting 800 pounds. He was squatting 800 pounds. I think at one point in the interview, he says that he was leg pressing 2,100 plus pounds or something like that. It was like 50, uh, 45 pound plates on the leg press that he had to get specially made just so he could do that weight. So that's an insane number. So Ronnie Coleman was this mythical like figure because he looked the part and acted the part, right? He had the muscles, but he also had the strength. But in reality, what ended up happening was Ronnie Coleman had 13 surgeries, back surgeries, hip surgeries, neck surgeries, right? His back and his neck are fused together. So he doesn't have flexion and extension. It's just all one big piece. And the interesting thing about Ronnie Coleman, it says he doesn't regret a thing, right? He thinks he could have more reps at 800 pounds. He wanted to do more and more and more. And I think that's a beautiful cautionary tale for a guy like Ronnie Coleman. He has no regrets, but for some of you guys out there, you know, Think about the training that you do and do it in a very smart manner, right? I'm not trying to tell you not to powerlift because I love powerlifting. That's how I got into fitness myself. But be very cautious, right? If you're training uh, balls to the wall all the time, you might put yourself in a position where you're putting yourself at an increased risk of hurting yourself, right? You don't want to do that. So um, I thought that was really interesting as well, right? Uh, it's a beautiful cautionary tale. Another thing, this is perfectly timely, was Ronnie Coleman talked about he took a few weeks off. He came back and he thought he was at the same strength that he was um, back the few weeks prior to when he was training, right? Before he took his break. And he went and he squatted 600 pounds and he herniated a disc, right? So a lot of you guys out there that are returning back to the gym after coronavirus, take a page from Ronnie Coleman's book. Do not try to do the same things that you were doing prior and don't hurt yourself, right? Because Ronnie Coleman took a few weeks off. He said, nah, I'm good. I'm going to squat 600 pounds. And then he popped the disc in his back, right? And he kept training after that because Ronnie Coleman is, is an anomaly, right? Ronnie Coleman is, is a, is a one-in-a-lifetime kind of person. Um, but for you guys, be smart as you're returning to the gym. And kind of the last thing I want to talk about as it pertains to Ronnie Coleman on the Joe Rogan podcast was I talk about Ronnie Coleman's genetics a lot, right? Ronnie Coleman was obviously genetically gifted. He started bodybuilding at the age of 24. He didn't win his first Olympia till like 30, 34. He says it in the interview. I didn't write it down. I forgot what it was. But it was a few years later into it, right? And he says, uh, I was natural for a very long time, but I did eventually end up taking steroids. Uh, and Joe obviously asked him what he took. And Ronnie says, I was taking steroids, but I really wasn't taking that that much. Uh, I was pretty naturally gifted as it was. Um, but I got tired of bodybuilding and getting my ass kicked in competition. So I had to take steroids to get to that next level. 
Uh, and the one thing that Joe Rogan says that I actually, I absolutely love that he said this was the fact that don't you find it interesting that you guys, uh, you and all your bodybuilding friends are taking steroids, but yet you're on these different magazine ads uh, promoting all these different things, protein, creatine, BCA, saying this is what actually got me ripped when in fact you were taking steroids behind the scenes, right? And to wrap up the Ronnie Coleman part of this podcast here, um, really why I want to talk about the interview was the fact that if you're a person who is uh, maybe looking up to uh, Ronnie Coleman, right? You're a person who is impressionable in any way. It doesn't have to be Ronnie Coleman itself. Um, but on the surface, these guys are very different from what they were actually doing uh, in the background, right? Um, you know, when I was a wee lad, and I say a wee lad, I'm talking about college when I first started uh, kind of getting into fitness, I was really into like Steve Cook videos and Mark Bell, right? Uh, I didn't really necessarily want to look like Ronnie Coleman because he's gigantic, but you know, I look at a guy like Steve Cook and I would want to look like him. And there was a point in time where I started buying protein out the wazoo. I started buying creatine all the time because I wanted to look like Steve Cook and that's what Steve Cook was doing. So that's what I should do to look like that. When in fact, not to say anything about Steve Cook, I don't know anything about Steve Cook, but in Ronnie Coleman's situation, Ronnie Coleman is the pinnacle of this sport, but he was taking steroids, right? So, you know, it's very interesting. He talks about, you know, getting on these different advertisements for these different supplements that you're using. But in reality, you're using steroids behind the scenes. And maybe that's the biggest contributor to your actual overall physique that you have, as opposed to these different things that you're promoting, right? So it's a slippery slope. Ronnie Coleman is the legend. Uh, he's, in my opinion, the greatest bodybuilder of all time. Um, you know, but always keep in the back of your mind. Doesn't have to be Ronnie Coleman. Doesn't have to be Steve Cook. Doesn't have to be Mark Bell. Doesn't have to be Arnold Schwarzenegger. Doesn't have to be whoever your person is that you look up to, that you strive to be. Always keep in mind that there's a different parts of them that you have not seen before, right? Just because they access a certain way on Instagram, just because they act a certain way on YouTube, does not mean that they're actually that person, does not mean that you should strive to do everything that they do, right? You know, you can strive to be better, you can strive to be like that person, uh, but just know there's a different side to them that's not there, right? So, so the young impressionables out there, always keep that in mind. Ronnie Coleman is obviously, uh, like I said, a legend, an absolute G in the game. Um, but just keep that in mind, right? So that wraps up the Ronnie Coleman part. And back to the beginning of what I was saying, right? So I started this page back in 2017, right? Uh, and 2017, this started off as made to excel fitness apparel. I did a lot of fitness apparel. Uh, and it wasn't until 2019 that I really started to switch focus from apparel to general fitness content, right? It's about a year ago uh, this month, right? June 2019, I went on uh, vacation to Florida. I brought my resistance bands with me, started doing workouts. I said, I'm going to do a workout series on Instagram. And from then on there, I started doing pretty much fitness related content. Uh, you know, the apparel took a bad seat, right? So over the course of a year, everything's been very peaceful, right? And this past weekend, I got my first hater, right? Uh, it was a post and I'll put the post here in a second. Uh, it was a post about the worst exercise ever. I'll put it in here right now. You know, I think for any exercise in particular, um, there is a risk reward assessment that you've got to take, right? Is the amount of risk that I'm taking in this exercise worth the reward that I'll get, right? So if you're going to do a heavy bench press and there's nobody around and you're going for a one rep max, is it worth dropping the weight on your chest and not being able to stand back up, potentially dying? Is it worth risking that for the reward that you're going to get, which is the satisfaction of doing a one rep max? It probably doesn't have... Um, any long-term effects on your, you know, your chest gains in that moment. 
is it worth doing that? In that situation, no, you should always have a spotter around if you're gonna do a one rep max. And the same thing with standing on a stability ball, working on balance, is the marginal maybe increase in balance that you're gonna get worth falling off the ball and breaking your face and seriously hurting yourself? Um, is it worth you know that marginal gain in balance? Absolutely not, so stop doing it. So that was the post that I made. And uh, a few days later, right? It wasn't even the same day that I posted it. So it was like the third post back. It wasn't even my most recent post. A few days later, I get a comment. And the comment says, you have no idea of what you're talking. Um, and of course, in the post, I talk about risk analysis, right? If you're doing an exercise, if you're doing any exercise, there's obviously a risk of you getting hurt, right? There's a risk of you getting hurt doing almost anything, right? If you go outside and go for a walk, there's a risk of you getting hurt, but obviously that risk is a lot lower than if you were to try to do a one rep max of a bench press without a spotter, right? Obviously the risk is much, much higher in the bench press without a spotter, especially really heavy bench press, than walking. Both have risk, but they're both very different risk. Um, so when I talked about standing on a stability ball, there's a really high risk, unless you're a really balanced person with a lot of stability, that you're gonna fall off that and break your face on something, right? You break your face on a dumbbell rack, you break your face on a machine, you break your face on a railing, you break your face on a window, you break, you can break your face on anything, right? So when I talk about risk analysis, is the small marginal gain you get in balance on a stability ball worth the potential of you breaking your face on something? Probably not, right? Um, and of course, the guy that started, uh, that left a comment, um, he was a stability ball expert, right? So I'm coming after his craft, uh, not maliciously, I'm just trying to look out for the people. Um, so I was coming after his craft, so of course he's going to come after me. He said, you have no idea of what you're talking about. And I said, hey buddy, we've all got our different ideas, I agree to disagree with you. Um, but that was pretty much it, you know, it's, it's, it's just a funny thing, I'm making light of it, but, um, you know, such is life. But. Q&A, I only had one question, and I love the fact that this question came up because I actually came across something today that pertains to this question, right? And the Q&A question simply was, is it possible to eat too few calories? Is it possible that I'm eating too few calories? Are my calories too low? Three different ways to say it, right? And I was scrolling through Instagram because I was going to do this Ronnie Coleman episode today, and I wanted to look at Ronnie Coleman's Instagram, right? Didn't find it. I couldn't. Uh, he's got supplement pages, but I don't know if he has an actual... Uh, fitness Instagram for himself, right? And so obviously you go to Instagram and you hit the little magnifying glass that takes you to the search page, but that really takes you to the explore page on Instagram. And the very first post that I saw was a nutritionist post. No idea who this person is. I have no idea. Um, and it caught my eye very quickly because, and I clicked on the page um, to see if there's other things like this, right? And this person, no idea who it is, never seen her before um, but this person has a very uh, a very specific aesthetic to their page their page is all screenshots of tweets and pictures of them holding this little stupid board with words on it right and it's all the same face right it's, it's all the same thing right so it's the board with different words on it right and different sayings and uh, different you know facts that they had right um, and they they say babe all the time, right? Babe is their, listen, they're a marketing genius, right? The aesthetic is there. They call everybody babe. They're making a connection. So looking, I, I give her props, right? She's a marketing genius. But the post was like, uh, the post was like, some people will eat 
1200 calories and obviously she made this post because when people are looking to lose weight for some reason the magical number always seems to be 1200 calories i don't know what it is it seems like a low enough number that you can lose weight using that amount of calories um but 1200 calories is so few calories right and the point that she was trying to make was if you're a really petite person you're a really small person um 1200 calories might actually be the correct amount of calories for you but you've got to be a very 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 small person um in order for 1200 calories to be healthy for you to lose weight right to be a small enough deficit that you can do it over a long period of time you can be consistent doing it um you know so is there a time and a place where you can actually uh you know eat 1200 calories in a safe manner and lose weight sure but that population is so small that I don't think that that's something that you should be kind of putting out there for people to see, right? This person had a really decent following, a couple thousand people. Out of those couple thousand people, I'm willing to bet that almost none of them are in the camp that they can eat 1,200 calories and be safely uh, in a calorie deficit in order to lose weight. And this person is a nutritionist who went to school for this, right? Um, so putting that out there is wild, right? There is a thing as too few calories, um, and you'll know it's too few calories. You'll lose weight at first, but it's not something that you can sustain. It's not something you can do for a long period of time. Um, so if you're trying to eat too few calories, you'll find yourself not being able to hit those calories consistently because it's not enough food for you, right? So uh, always bear that in mind. You know, Don't follow these fit babes online um, that say these crazy things, right? It's possible, sure. Um, but probably not feasible for a good majority of the people. Um, yeah, I'm not trying to be malicious, but like, come on, be smarter, right? I don't know. Uh, don't put don't put stupid stuff out there. Uh, and last but not least, before I wrap up today's show, uh, just in correlation with everything else about people putting dumb stuff online, um, John Cavanaugh, who is a MMA coach, uh, he coached Conor McGregor. Um, I don't know what it is about you know, people in the fitness industry kind of overreaching their bounds, right? This is a person who is a MMA coach, right? They have nothing to do with the fitness side. I mean, they're into fitness, obviously. They probably have a base of fitness knowledge, but they don't, they're not a uh, person who is a personal trainer. They're not a person who has anything to do with nutrition. And he made this post the other day. He said, met someone yesterday after lockdown and noticed they'd lost weight. They said they'd gone vegan. And I just thought, oh, okay. But really, are people overweight because of animal products? Ethics is a different and valid argument, but it's sugar that's the problem with weight control. And if you follow this podcast, you know that a couple episodes back was my myth-busting number two about sugar. And sugar is not the enemy, right? And I think the point that he was trying to make was the fact that, uh, I don't know if he, he's uh, pro-keto, like not keto, yeah, pro-keto, um, pro-carnivore diet or whatever. He's trying to like, you know come up with a rationale why that person would say that veganism is the reason that they lost weight because he's saying it's really the sugar that you cut out of your diet right it's not the sugar that you cut out of your diet it's the calories that you put out there right um and listen i'm not claiming to be a nutrition expert that is not necessarily my field of expertise i'm not a nutritionist i'm not a dietitian i did not go to school specifically for nutrition but i would like to think of myself uh, as having a doctorate in common sense right if you can eat ice cream and if you can eat sugar in a place where you can still be in a caloric deficit you're still going to make progress if you can't put down the sugar and every time you have sugar you put yourself in a caloric surplus you're eating too many calories then you can be in a position where you're having a little bit of trouble with your weight um, but that is an overconsumption problem not a sugar problem right 
those two things can be related because sugar is very calorically dense. And if you're over consuming sugar, you're going to be uh, put in a calorie deficit much or not a calorie deficit, but a calorie surplus much simpler than if you were over consuming vegetables. But that's a completely different argument, right? So for somebody like John Kavanaugh, who's got 334,000 followers on Twitter to talk about weight loss, which is clearly not his area of expertise, is like me being Conor McGregor's striking coach. But if that had been the case, he probably would have been Khabib. So fit babes and, um, you know, people that are not in the nutrition world, really, I don't know. I don't know what it is. You know, just don't, why are you sticking your hands in other people's pies? I don't know what it is. Uh, but that about wraps up today's show. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed it. If you enjoyed today's show, hit the subscribe button, share the episode, uh, send me any uh, Q&A questions that you might have on Instagram, mtfit, uh, at the email, madetoexcelfitness at gmail.com. I appreciate you all. I'll see you in the next one. Peace. What's up, Mark? How you doing, man? Hunter Henry, LA Charger tight end. Uh, best big time shout out to your uh, fitness podcast, the Made to Excel fitness podcast. So um, super cool, man. You got a lot going on. Bolt ganger. Don't bang.